Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Fight Night on TalkSport 2. Uh, welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall. It is your weekly look at everything that is going on in the world of boxing. It has been action-packed. I've got my top three coming up in a minute. I'm joined in the studio once again uh, by Declan Taylor. He's the man that is in the know. He's got his finger on the pulse. If there's something going on in the world of boxing... He's going to bring it to the table and we are going to be dropping bombs for the next two hours. That's right. That's how this goes down, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> That's a bomb. <laughs> I'd just like to point out as well that in the studio tonight, uh, because of the heat that is currently going around London town, I've turned up in a vest just in case Declan brings it up. Uh, and he's got the old tats out. So yeah. we're, 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 all, we're all in. We're all in. It's 30 degrees outside. I was thinking of going full Peter Andre, mate, and put the shades on as well. That's what I was thinking of doing. Full Mysterious Girl video. Yeah too late now um, if you want to get involved with the show you're more than welcome to do so my twitter is at Adam Catterall um, any of the topics that do arise over the next couple of hours uh, jump on we are going to be speaking to Callum Johnson a man that has got King Kong cojones uh, as he takes on Arta Betabiev for the IBF uh, light heavyweight championship of the world Martin Murray's going to be joining us as well for a little bit of a conversation uh, and also a man that is uh, making his American dream come true uh, Tommy Coyle will also be on the show as well a little later on we are We've got something special for the Hall of Fame as well, uh, so make sure you stick around for it. Uh, however, we start the show, as ever, uh, with my top three headlines of the week. Uh, top story, number one. It's always around the heavyweights. It's always around AJ and Wilder. But who is more full of BS? Finkel or Hearn? <laughs> Wilder and AJ is not happening next. Wilder now wants 50-50. Um, in my opinion, and I don't know where you're at with this deck, Wilder's side are more deluded than AJ's side. That's where I'm at. And I'll explain more for you in a minute. All right? Top story number two. I wrote this show on Friday, right? This right. is what I've written. The World Boxing Super Series confirmed the super lights for season two. Make Taylor an offer he can't refuse <laughs> and get him into the show. That's already been done. Fantastic news yesterday dropping that Josh Taylor, who swore blindly after his victory last week against Victor Postol that he would be chasing Jose Ramirez, um, who is the full WBC champion. But now they've kind of done a little bit of a, a left turn or maybe just pulled the wool over our eyes a little bit because he's entering the World Boxing Super Series uh, with the possibility at the moment to win two of the outright belts. The WBA's in there and the IBF, I think, is going to be in there. But who knows if they throw another curveball in there and maybe bring in the WBO champion yeah. or the WBC champion or something. It could be a multi 
uh, belt champion by this time next year. Exciting times for Josh Taylor. Big time, man. I think he's going to get paid better in the Super Series than anything else, even at Jose Ramirez's fight. I think he's going to get weighed in big time. Big time. Um, top story number three. I'll scratch you around for top story number three because it's been a bit quiet this week. Uh, I've decided uh, to go with Amir Khan. He's fighting another tin can in September, uh, which I've no problem with whatsoever. However, what I do have a problem with is that he seems to distance himself even further from Kel Brook, mentioning £147. We don't want that. Let's do a catchweight, Amir. Let's make it fair. Let's have a bit of blood and thunder. Stop talking about Manny Pacquiao. He's on a veterans tour. However, I think I still might like to see Manny Pacquiao fight in England. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, throughout the course of the show and you're more than welcome to join us as well at Adam Catterall on Twitter let's go to that first story then shall we AJ AJ Wilder not happening next we kind of said this on last week's show didn't we Uh, the WBA have uh, mandated Povetkin they've got sick of waiting so that's happening September time right AJ against Povetkin taking care of his WBA mandatory however I'm kind of liking all this Twitter back and forth. I like I like the way that fights are now playing out on Twitter, or fight negotiations are playing out on Twitter. Even Stephen Espinosa is getting involved in this, and it's nothing to do with him. He's a TV exec, but he's he's getting involved anyway. Um, from all you've read, from all you know, why is this not happening next? It's it's hard to say. You can make a case for either either of them not wanting it next, because from our position here as fans, we. We just want to see it. Mm. and Seems very easy from our position, yeah, doesn't it? it should Come be. on, lads, what's the problem? And also, you talk about Twitter as well and the back and forth and stuff. It's all well and good as long as we get a fight at the end of it. And obviously, mm. we haven't this time. Mm. I do think it will happen because eventually, money will talk. And when they sit down and realise that this fight makes more money than any other fight, particularly Wilder realises that. Mm. Joshua can make big money against just about anyone, mm. but still not as big as Wilder and certainly can't crack that American market where which is another stratosphere when it comes to pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. He needs Wilder to do that. Mm. But when you get people sit, sitting around a table who aren't doing the fighting, but who can also get paid a lot of money from the fight, it eventually happens. It's like Mayweather Pacquiao. That looked like it was gone. Okay, we waited ages for it. It looked like it was gone. But actually, at the end of the day, made so much money that they had to do it, much like Mayweather McGregor, which mm. all the naysayers said it shouldn't happen. Mm. Plenty of people said it shouldn't happen. Again, sit down, look at this amount of money you're going to make. That's what's going to happen with Joshua Wilder eventually. It's a lot of posturing. It's a lot of um, mistruths, I think, that we're getting fed from both sides, yeah. um, which is normal, actually. But it's just it's just magnified because of the size of the fight. But mm. uh, I think it's still going to happen next, next year mm. because of the amount of money on the table. But if you think about it, what Wilder's done in turning down the first offer of 15 million has actually got himself more money in the next one. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. I think I think my conclusions from everything that I've read, the truth will lie somewhere in the middle of all this. So I've kind of gone with both fighters are up for it. They fancy the knock. Oh definitely. Yeah, without a doubt so, that they both do yeah. it. So yeah. all this chat that I see on social media of he's ducking him, he's ducking him, no. that's not the case, right? This is a case of no trying one's scared, are they? No. I think this is a case of let's get the best deal for me. That's mm. that's where we're at at this moment in time. Now Wilder, um like I said, he's not a scared man. He wants a scrap. So therefore, verbally on social media, he said on many times, I'll take it. I'll do this. I'll do it for this amount of money. I'll do it for this. I'll come to your backyard and all that type of stuff. However, with all due respect to Deontay, I don't think he's the brains of their operation, <laughs> right? They've got some other guys knocking about like Shelley Finkel, who are there, paid big money in order to advise him of what to do next. 
Now, Shelley Finkel obviously believes that his man is worth a few more quid than is what is first being offered. Probably rightfully so, because you need a dance partner in order to make this super fight, don't you? Eddie Hearn, I think, has got more of a a realistic view of where everybody's valued at. And when I say realistic, I think if you ask the majority of fans worldwide who's valued, who's the A side, who's the B yeah. side, let's say, to coin a Floyd Mayweather phrase, I think the majority go with AJ. It then comes down to the sliding scale of what percentage he is the A side compared to the B side. Eddie has one opinion and uh, Shelley Finkel has another opinion. Now, obviously, knowing full well that they've asked for extensions with the WBA and uh, relinquishing that belt from AJ's point of view is absolutely out of the question. I think, from a business point of view, the Wilder side's kind of played a decent little card here because what they've done is, as you've just rightfully said, they've increased maybe their percentage for this time in April yeah. next year. Yeah. So rather than getting their $15 million flat or a, a ridiculous 75-25 split or whatever was being discussed, I don't know, they maybe brought. I don't think they're going to get fifty-fifty because that's still, for me, no edge is the A side. But I think the the closer to maybe a sixty-forty split than they are than they were previous. Yeah, it's only gone one way in Wilder's in Wilder's favour. Yeah. I would say. Let's not forget Shelley Finkel was at the heart of the negotiations for Tyson Lennox Lewis, which is another big Brit uh, American. Mm actually the most lucrative heavyweight bout ever mm-hmm. and he ended up brokering a 50-50 deal between the two of them which now looking back on it seems quite crazy because Tyson obviously was faded nu- was nuts yeah he's on the way out <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know Lewis was the man um, but they still got equal money um, then Wilder and Joshua they shouldn't get equal money but the way you should the way you think about it is that Wilder, uh, Joshua's going to fight Alexander Povetkin yeah uh, and even more so, let's say, Joseph Parker, because we know the figures more with Parker. He got, say, 15, 20 million quid or whatever it was, and he will do again for Povetkin with a full, full stadium and uh, decent pay-per-view numbers mm. over here mm-hmm. and money from DAZN, who has shown it in America. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get paid three times effectively, mm. tickets, pay-per-view, and American broadcaster for a fight, and then Povetkin's going to get a small share of that. So you bring in Wilder... And the money goes up, but Wilder needs a bigger percentage. So actually, at the end of it all, Joshua's going to get paid similar mm. in the scheme of things for fighting Povetkin or for fighting Parker, certainly for fighting Takam mm-hmm. or Pulev, as it was supposed to be, than he will for fighting Wilder, if you see what I mean, because Wilder takes a bigger yeah, share of the pot. Scale, yeah, but, course, he's a yeah. big, but he's a bigger... He's got a bigger risk in front of him in Wilder. He's got a harder fight. Uh, it's a bigger fight, so you would think he deserves more money. Wilder's going to end up getting paid something like 10 or 15 times more than he's ever been paid Absolutely, in a single fight. Yeah. Joshua's not going to get paid 10 or 15 times more than he has in his single fight. Mm-hmm. So you can see why Joshua deserves the bigger pot. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at it like that, it's not fair. Joshua's not getting the same upside yeah, yeah. as Wilder. Mm-hmm. But to to mention what Tyson Fury said to us on last week's show... How much money does one man need? Mm. Sorry, I thought you were going to talk about slapping both of them. That's or, what I... <laughs> or cement mixes. No, but how much, <laughs> how much money does one man need? The, the point is, it's not really about the money. It's about the, the pride and the, it's the an posturing. Ego thing. It's an ego thing. It's like, it's the same with Floyd Mayweather saying, I'm the A-side and this mm. and that. But as Eddie Hearn always says, what these fighters need to do is forget about what the other guy is getting. Just forget about it. It's nothing to do with you. And just think about what you're going to get from it. Mm. And if they're confident of winning, which Joshua will be, Mm -hmm. then you obviously have to take the fight. Wilder is confident of winning, which he is. 
he says, and I'm sure he is. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he doesn't think anyone on the planet can beat him. He has to take the fight. So I don't think there's a problem there. I can't see anything really getting in the way of the fight. So I think we will get it next. But it, obviously, the WBA was a bit of a curveball. Mm. I thought it was surprising myself that they that they did that. Um, obviously, they've been hanging around. And maybe it was a tactic to try and get the some sort of um, finalization on the unification. But it didn't actually... If anything, it, was cool. it kind of works in our favour as well because Wembley's available. Yeah, we still get now. We still get Povetkin. Yeah, we still get Povetkin in yep. September. A big fight, a good fight. Mm-hmm. Joshua gets another. Maybe he doesn't, but say he gets another win, another performance, more experience, mm-hmm. and then we still get the fight next year in April because of the time frame, and it looks like Wembley, mm-hmm. April the thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. Here. So. I mean, obviously, as fans, we just want it now. We want everything now. Certainly in this day and age as well, everything's got to happen now. But when we actually look back on it in a few years, it's not the end of the world, is it? A few months. As long as we do get it at the end. And I'm sure they can't go anywhere else, can Mm. they? They can't. Until Fury's back or someone else comes out the woodwork, Mm. Usyk moves up, there's no one else. So it has to happen. Mm. More on this, no doubt, um, over the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, Do stick with us because we will be speaking about Josh Taylor entering the uh, World Boxing Super Series. We'll obviously be speaking about Amir Khan's upcoming fight as well in September. Uh, but coming next, a man that uh, wow, you were ringside last week, weren't you? Wow, yeah. Being wowed uh, last week by uh, Martin Murray doing the business, yeah, uh, and uh, and in, in quite difficult terms because for normally I would uh, I would see a fighter lose their cool in that situation where someone's being a little bit dirty with him, but he seemed very mm. cool, calm, and collected. Uh, one of the nicest men in boxing's on the show next, Martin Murray. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport Two. <laughs> Uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talksport too. Um, I wonder if our next guest has iced his nether regions over the last week. What do you reckon, man? I don't know. You talk about Cajonas with, yeah. uh, mm. you know, with Callum Johnson. Yeah. Talk about Cajonas with Martin Murray because they mm. took a bit of a mm. pounding last week. I know he's. Uh, I know he's already. I know he's got a beautiful family. But if his missus ever said to him, <laughs> "Do you fancy going again?" I don't think he can now. No. I don't think he can. <laughs> I think he, I think it was uh, um, a Mexican vasectomy. I think that's what they call it last week. How are you, Martin Murray? You well? I uh, yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good, mate. No, never mind. I'm, how I am? I'm sound, mate. Nobody's been whacking me in the nuts, pal. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I think we found one of my lost property. <laughs> <too late. laughs> mate, but yeah, I'm, I'm good, enjoying the lovely weather, and yeah, just chilling out. That was dirty, wasn't it? Let's be honest. One thing that yeah. impressed me the most, that I mean, the performance was great, but that you didn't lose your head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah, I lost it a little bit, uh, <laughs> the weigh-in, uh, the day before. Um, that was basically, I was just getting, just giving it the big one behind stage, you know, at the scale of him and his cause, it was snarling at me, and I thought, you know what, just ignore it, got on stage, thought we'll do the first off, shake hands and off you pop, and then he just carried on stirring me out, and I thought, I'd looked at him, you know, I knew it was a level above him, but I knew he was game. I knew he'd come and bring it all night, and I knew uh, he was dirty. But I just, I just thought, and I knew that I was in a different class than him, and I just thought the cheek of him just, just fronted out, <laughs> front me, you know, just stirred him out, just got to me, got to me a little bit. Obviously, the, these past few months have been frustrating, uh, frustrating for me. So, uh, so yeah, it was important for me on the fight night just not drop myself down to his level. And uh, you know, start being dirty back and just being in a mess of a fight because, you know, when I, I fought in Monte Carlo in 2016, I think it was, and ended up having a shocking fight 
No, he was dirty. He was coming in with his head. I let it get to me. Mm. And he just, just didn't look for a nice fight. So I just thought, I just need to be professional, be disciplined and keep it as clean as possible. And I thought, thought I did that. Mm. No, absolutely, mate. I'll tell you something. There's uh, Obviously, we've done many interviews down the years and I, I will vouch for Martin being one of the nicest men in boxing. However, when the switch goes, <laughs> yeah. the switch goes, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, like I said, I lost my kill at the way he'd not, not usually me to be honest with you, but um, but yeah, when the when the switch goes, like you said, the switch goes. That's it. What man. happened? Um, I was ringside, and at the end of the fight, obviously you the, you two hugged in the ring, but then when the corners got in, there was a little bit of sort of argy bargy, and the the other side would certainly shout in at Jamie and whoever else. What was your view of that? Were you just sort of uh, I, I, were you aware of what was going out, on? I only um, the, I only found out after the fight that the corners were. Yeah. We're having a go at Nigel and Jamie in between the fight. I don't know what for, but there was. And then, obviously, when the final bell went and they knew they did not won, they carried on a little bit. And I was just like, listen, calm down. The fight's been done. All that yesterday is over with. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Let's just let's just crack on now. But uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. I've not spoken with them properly yet to find out what that exactly was about. But there's a bit of niddling going on between them. You don't pick fights with the Peaky Blinders. What are they doing? <laughs> Listen, the obvious question is uh, what next? And I've seen this week is um, there's a little bit of uh, back and forth between you and Billy Joe kicked off again on uh, on Twitter, which is always nice for the fans. We love to sit there and have a little bit of a watch of that. But what is next for you, mate? Have you already had a chat with Frank? A chat with Eddie? What, what's the score? I mean, I've been told I'm fighting September. Uh, I mean, when in September, I don't know. It, it, it'd have to be later for, for myself because later on in September, early October, because with me doing back-to-back training camps, mm. if, if I was fighting early September, I'd have to go into camp next week. Yeah. And, you know, I'm an old man in the sport of boxing now, you know, doing back-to-back camps, it takes its toll on your body, and I need a couple of weeks rest, mm. at least, you know, um, me, me I, listen, I'm straight, I'll tell you me, I'm, I, I don't hide nothing. I've got, I had struggled badly with my elbows. So they need a couple of weeks rest. I perforated my eardrum during the fight. Yeah. Um, that's, I think doctors said, I've got to go back to me six weeks and I might need an operation on that, he said. Uh, because obviously he said it's like a, a clean, per, there's a big hole in my eardrum. Mm. So. Wow. Plus, don't so, forget, yeah. obviously, that swelling on your nuts, mate. That's got to uh, that's got to go down oh, as well, well there you know. You go, yeah. <laughs> that'll be your uh, that'll take at least and yeah for them go down. <laughs> what, what would make sense, I, I suppose, would be Frank to box Billy Joe against someone on maybe on the fifteenth and tie it in with Canelo Golovkin. Um, would the fifteenth work for you? Would that be too early? Is that something that you've heard, or whether it's Billy Joe or not? Is that date no, something the, that could no, happen? The fifteenth, I have heard there is kind of a show on the fifteenth, but. I'm not sure what's been put um, to me yet. Yeah. I mean, if if I was like an I've worked, if I was going to train for the fifteenth, I'd have to go into camp next week, mm. which isn't really it, it, it's not doable really for me on me on my body. You know, my health's more more important than anything. Yeah. And um, that's not really do. But I mean, having a few weeks off when it recovered, I've got family holidays, but you know, I, I can get back. I can cut it short and get back on um, the last day of our, uh, July, yeah. which gives me six and a half weeks uh, for the fifteenth. Mm. So I'm 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 really not sure, but it's what 
who it'd be. It's whether I'm on that bill. Um, you know, it's what I'm about. I really don't know. So they have mentioned September, but if it is the fifteenth, it's going to be a really, it, it, it's going to be a hard ask to be honest. With you. On me, not, not on my head, but just on my body. Mm. Um, what's uh, what's the latest uh, with Mad Benny? Is he upgrading his red rascal or what? Yeah, he's uh, obviously smashed. He's come down London. Mm. He was in the ring, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he don't mess about, does yeah. Benny? Yeah, he, 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 want, he's, he dishes it out. Dishes it out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stole the show again. He's, he's obviously living the dream, isn't he? Just having a good time. You know, first time he's been in London, now at the weekend. Is it really? So, no, he's only the furthest he's ever been. He's 75. The furthest place he's ever been is Towing. You're joking. Oh, I'm not joking. In 75 years, he went wow. Towing on his honeymoon. Wow, man. That's, that's tremendous. First, yeah, in 75 years, that's the furthest place he's ever been. So he's been so, down, is it the big lights then? He went down to the big lights at the weekend, yeah, fella? Yeah, he's been down the big smoke and he's, he's loved it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it. You're going to have to fight abroad now all the time, mate. You're going to have to go back to Monte Carlo, maybe a bit of Vegas or something like that, you know? That's it. We've got to get him about, but he's, uh, he's adamant now that he's a lucky charm. <laughs> two fights with him. Um, obviously walking me out and being there mm. and he's adamant that he's my lucky charm so yeah I think it's going to be every fight you're going to have to come with me now mm. uh, Listen this might sound a little bit uh, far-fetched for people listening to the show but I'm, I'll chuck it your way seeing as that last week you picked up that WBC uh, trinket my friend the man that holds uh, the full WBC belt is uh, an old pal of yours you've been in there with him previously Mr Golovkin I know that yeah. there's uh, mandatories and what have you there's, uh, there's people above you in, the, in those rankings but I don't think you'd be turning down a fight with Golovkin if it came your way again, would you? No, I mean, I think Frank said I've got to make one more defence of this and then a mandatory for the winner of Golovkin-Canelo. They're the fights I want. I want to be in big fights. You know, I'll mention Billy Joe because, you know, people can relate um, us two together with, obviously, the fights, you know, the past couple of months, fights getting cancelled in, pulling out and all that. I'll mention him. I'm not like that type of, t- type of man, you know what I mean? That type of fighter who, who wins a belt and fights once a year and likes the celebrity status. I want to be in there, I want to test myself against the best. I don't want to talk about fighting the best. I do want to fight the best. So it's that fight. I have Golovkin was up there as the best middleweight. I think they'll beat Canelo when they fight again. Um, I thought he should have won it the first time. But it's that fight, the winner of them two is put to me. I will, you know, I will, I will set that. No questions asked because, like I said, I want to I want to fight the best. And, you know, I've said before that when I retire, I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and mm. say, you know what, you, you know, you've had no regret. You, you, you took all challenges. You, you you went everywhere. You fought everyone. So if the fight did come up again, it, it's obviously a, a tough fight, the toughest fight in my career, but I'd jump at the chance. Do you feel you're better equipped for a second fight now that you're with Jamie? Yeah, I do. Uh, obviously, you know, the... We look at the, the last fight, not just the fight itself, but the training camp. And, you know, I took myself away from my family, went over South Africa, which it ended up being a good thing. I mean, you'll never know. You'll never know. But we was two weeks out from leaving from South Africa to Monte Carlo. We was going to pull a fight because the, the I had a shocking camp starting off with the altitude. You know, I suffered badly with that. Proper, proper knocked me for six. You know, the, I didn't understand the proper science behind it then like I do now. So, I mean, I feel that I'm the best fighter physically and mentally I've ever been. And, I'm, you know, I'm in a real happy camp now. I'm not saying I won an happy camp before, but no. everybody's buzzing at the minute. We're all buzzing. You know, Carl Frampton's last performance was 
unreal performance. And Rocky's got this world title. Yeah. You know, I've just got the silver title. Tommy just put in a career best performance against Masha. And the gym's absolutely buzzing, you know, success breeds success. And the way we're all buzzing at the minute, I'd jump at that chance. You know, I think Golovkin, when I fought him, he was in his real prime. Yeah. You know, I think he's still an unbelievable fighter. But, you know, I look and I do think, to be honest, he has deteriorated a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I would fancy my chances more this time. It, well, if it happened again, then than I did last time. What's up, man? Are you, uh, are you on barbecue duty today, mate? Tomorrow. I'm just getting the garden <laughs> uh, prepped as we speak. Good lad. For, uh, yeah, for a barbecue tomorrow. That's it. That's, got, that's what it's all about. Good, Good man. Times. Good man. Good Get, don't forget yeah. the sun cream, lad. Don't forget the sun cream, all right? <laughs> See you in a bit, mate. Take, Take care, care, mate. Oh, great talking to you. Cheers, you, lad. Mate. Thank Ta- you. Superb. Uh, Marty Murray. Uh, superb last week. The, the main thing that come out of that is that uh, he managed to get a fight after two back-to-back camps and he kept his cool in a... When many wouldn't have done, let's be honest, a lot would have retaliated by uh, chucking in a few of them bombs early doors uh, towards their opponent as well. So well done him on that. It's going to be interesting to see what does happen next yeah. uh, with Martin, especially with the narrative with Billy Joe. I think the narrative's still there. It's just, I think he's going to need insurances, isn't he? Well, they're trying to obviously trying to make a fight for Billy Joe on the 15th. Um, we spoke about James Gale last week. That could happen. Yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of things that could happen. Obviously, it's not going to be Golovkin or Canelo, but it makes sense for Billy Joe to be fighting on that night. Um, Martin Moe would make sense after the two cancellations, but like you say, he's going to need like literal insurance money mm-hmm. in escrow or something like that because he's not going to believe it until he's in the ring with Billy Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does sound there that the 15th might be fanciful, but a, fight, a world title fight, another one for Martin, a lucrative one, might be worth pushing yourself through the ringer for if you know what I mean yeah. and maybe he would do that he's the sort of guy who would Yeah. but at this stage in his career on the other hand he doesn't really have to if you know what I mean he's, mm. he's been there and done it but let's hope that he gets something mean of, meaningful in the bank and then next year it sounds like he's better, better equipped now for, for a Golovkin rematch who knows mm. Canelo wins I'd love to see that fight as well mm. absolutely um, one man that is if you think Murray versus Golovkin's a little bit far-fetched well if we'd have told you this time last year that Callum Johnson <laughs> versus Altabeta Biev is actually happening you'd have probably laughed your socks off at this particular programme however it is happening and Callum Johnson is on the show next you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Cattrall, Declan Taylor with me. Um, I think we said this on last week's show, that the most exciting division, definitely in Britain at this moment in time, is the light heavyweights. Yep. On a worldwide scene, it's extremely exciting. Uh, so it's kind of uh, quite apt that we speak to a geezer that's the king of, uh, king of Britain, and hopefully soon to be king of the world. It is, of course, Callum Johnson, uh, British and Commonwealth light heavyweight champion. How are you, mate? You well? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well indeed, mate. Listen, um, I'm thinking of sending a boatload of ice your way to uh, maybe take down the swelling of your cojones, my friend, because uh, you've definitely got a set there, haven't you? Yeah, no, you know, people keep saying that, but, you know, I don't care that way because I've been in the game since I've been 12 and, you know, I've been dreaming of an opportunity like this all my life and when it comes along, you know, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it as having a big set to take that opportunity because, one, I believe in myself, and two, this is what I'm in the game for. So, but I, I, like you say, I, I understand why I suppose they're saying that because he's a big bad beast. But you know, at the same time, he's only human. 
No, absolutely, mate. Two arms, two legs. He's uh, he's in the ring with you, and uh, uh, you're doing that um, later on this year, um, um, October sixth. One thing that I just want to bring up as well before we talk about Better Bev, the opportunity to fight in America must have been on the bucket list as well, eh? Yeah, of course. I mean, again, that's everybody's dream as well. You know, I'm not not only am I fighting for a world title, I'm going to America to do it. So, you know, it's sort of too too ticked off the bucket list, and you know, I just can't wait. I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy every moment of it. Mm. I was speaking to um, your trainer on uh, Monday this week, and uh, obviously he's backing you, mate. Um, but he genuinely believes that uh, somebody will be going over because uh, he was comparing your power to obviously what we know of uh, Better Bev. And he was saying definitely in the British scene, as we found, well, I, I didn't find it out. Um, Frank Bullione found it out when you fought him, uh, that you don't, uh, you, you can't half whack. Um, yeah. So is, I'm, I'm assuming that that would be the tactic. Hit him before he hits you. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> my tactic. Yeah, my tactic is just going there and hit him as hard as I can. Uh, normally, normally, if I land on the chip, it's over. So hopefully it'll be the same case on October the sixth. But at the same time, like you say, he, he, he punches very, very hard himself, and I'm sure if he detonates one clean on my chin, you know, I'll probably go over. So I do think it'll be one of them fights where you know it'll be very exciting um, while it lasts. And I think I think one of us will probably end up on our ass. <laughs> I like that. You can understand why the fans though are absolutely going crazy and giving you a lot of credit for obviously taking this fight because it's been well documented that other light heavyweights. Um, have decided to swerve him. It's not right for them at this particular time. It didn't seem like you even thought about it, mate. You've just uh, gone, yeah, I'm in. Whatever, let's do it. That's it. I mean, when I when I got the uh, I got the text from Eddie with the letter from the you know, my eyes just lit up. I thought, wow, this is this is it. It's happening for me now. You know, because obviously it's well documented as well that my career's been a very up and down career and. You know, I've had a bit of bad luck and everything else. So, you know, I see it seems like my luck's changing now and I'm ready to try and grab it with both hands. And, mm. you know, this is the cards I've been dealt with and, you know, I'm going to play them to the best I can. How, mm. how have you sort of rated Baturbiev? Because he's, what, only 12, 12 and 0. Um, and he's been built as a real beast and obviously a big. he's shown that he's a big puncher. But from your position... Do you feel like there's an opportunity there? Because maybe, well, he is untested and it, we haven't seen him really in big trouble or get really hit hit hard. So do you see it from a different perspective as the fans might, do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I know, I've known him from the amateurs as well. You know, was in the amateurs at the same time and he's, he, he's very, very good. But yeah, he's, he's not been tested on the chin yet as a professional. Um, I don't believe he's boxed anybody as good as me as a professional. He's obviously boxed people as good as me in the amateurs um, as I have him. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, he, he is very good. He's very strong. He's very powerful. And I don't understand why people have me as a big underdog. But, you know, some of these people had me as an underdog against Frank as well. Mm. And uh, we saw what happened there. I think I think that underdog tag, I mean, don't say this the wrong way. I think it comes from, obviously, um, you just mentioned a little bit of the look or not that you have received over the last couple of years, mate, because you've had one round in that 18-month period. And I think that's maybe where people, uh, the fans' attitudes are, are maybe formed. Um, so maybe that's where it's coming from. But you know better than us. You've been in the gym. You've been doing your thing. Uh, and like you say, you're the guy that walks through the ropes, mate. You're the one that uh, you're the one that has to uh, carry out the task. Um, and yeah. by the way that you're speaking right now, you're obviously full of confidence and being able to, uh, to detonate, land on that chin and uh, lift up that IBF crown. That's it. That's it. You know, I've been I've been very active in the gym, even though I was inactive out of the ring. Uh, 
it's like before the Frank fight, you know, all, all the people that was writing me off, not for one second did I think um, Frank's for the chance. No disrespect to Frank, because I know he's a great fighter. Um, but we all knew in the gym that if I produce what I can produce, you know, he, he had no chance. And obviously I showed that on the night. Um, obviously, uh, Bertabiev is a different animal to Frank. Uh, but obviously I proved I was. Mm. So I, I, I do genuinely believe I've got a great chance uh, and like you say, we'll find out on the night when, when it all goes off. Um, I don't need to answer this um, um, because it's quite a personal question. I just want you to just allude to the fact whether it's positive or negative. That's all I want you to answer, right? Now, I knew right. that when um, you were mandated for this, um, it was 85-15, the split in his favour. With this being in America and on the zone, is Eddie looking after you? That's all I'm going to ask. Positive. <laughs> that's all I needed, mate. That's it. As long as you're getting weighed in, that's good. Um, listen, all the best we can because we're dead excited about this fight. This is going to be an absolute flamethrower. Nice one, Callum. Nice take, one. Take, take care, buddy. Nice one, mate. Thanks Cheers, a lot. Top man. Callum Johnson there, British uh, and Commonwealth light heavyweight champion, taking on Arthur Betabiev. Um In America, October 6th. He's no mug, Betabiev, but let's be honest. Callum Johnson's no mug either. He's a, he's got a fantastic amateur career. I know he's been out the ring for a long period of time through obviously personal reasons with his father and obviously injuries and various things like that. He's had one round against Frank Bullione, blew him away in that one round over the last 18 months. A lot would say it's not ideal preparation for better behave, but you play the cards that you dealt. And these are the cards that he's dealt. And speak, listen to him there. He's, he's full of confidence, isn't he? He fancies it. Mm, you can often sort of plough a lonely furrow as a professional fighter especially when you're not you're not getting dates and you things are happening outside the ring you might get injured fights fall through it must be incredibly hard and it hardens you or it can mm. kill you and it seems to have done the opposite with with Callum and that it has really galvanised him we saw maybe the, a small amount of the fruits of that labour against Frank Bullioni albeit very quickly I'm not sure whether that's a good thing to have one round under your belt before such a big fight, but it could be. could be that he's absolutely fresh and he's obviously flying full of confidence. Maybe that's the best way to approach a fight like this. Well, he's this. not giving a blueprint to his opponent, has he? Exactly. His opponent's nothing to study. What can you watch? Yeah, <laughs> what can you watch? So, And I'm, there's a chance he might overlook him. Mm. You know, who knows? And he's going to go out there. As we hear, he's going to get well paid. If he wins that belt in that division, everything changes, his whole life changes. Mate, and, that is the... Well, I know, it, like you said, he is getting well looked after by Eddie with this being on in America and I'm assuming that's why it's happening yeah. uh, in America but if you hold a world title in this in division, division yeah. flipping heck mate your next fight's a game changer yeah, isn't it? Yeah. changes your life forever yeah exactly changes because, life because we're not life. talking peanuts we're no. talking proper money yeah his life his family's life for the next couple of generations you know it's a real life changer hmm. uh and he can win it. He's got to do it. He's got to do it in the ring. He knows what he's got to do. Mm-hmm. And and it's inter- it's, it's refreshing to hear him say talking there about, um, you know, fans are telling me I've got a, a massive set of of cojones, and they're saying, "Oh my god, I can't believe you're doing this." He's thinking, "Why? What? What are you talking about?" If he was thinking, "I know, yeah, I know," aren't I really stepping up to the plate? He's seeing it in a completely different way. He's like, "What? I've got a world title fight. What? What I've always wanted." Yeah. Why would I? Why would I turn it down? So he sounds like he's in the perfect frame of mind. Let's just hope everything goes well for in mm. camp for him, and he turns up there in the absolute best shape, and he gives it a go. And and Beterbiev, I don't think he's going to know what's hit him. Um, regarding the best of the rest in the uh, in Britain, because they will all be looking at this, thinking to themselves, oh, yeah. "Flipping, eh? yeah, you know what I mean." But the best of the rest, we've got a lot of talent there, but we don't know where they're at on that <laughs> world stage yet, yeah. do we? That's a big step. 
I mean, we've just seen, obviously, Callum blow Frank away in in record time. It's going to be interesting to see how he gets on against Beterbiev because if he does pull this off and he does become world champion, the rest of them are going to be going, right, I'm, I'm, I know where I'm at because maybe I've sparred against Callum Johnson or maybe I've done this against Callum Johnson or I, I, I've been in with Callum Johnson. I know what the crack is there. I want my crack. I, 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 I want to be making inroads into that light heavyweight division. Yeah, and they will be. And all of them are sort of clamouring at the moment in different ways. Like, for instance, Anthony Yard has had two offers similar to this. Well, yeah, in fact, he got, he got offered, offered this fight. Of this yeah, fight. Yeah. He got offered uh, Andre Ward or Kovalev. 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 And he turned them both down yeah. for his own reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's another one who's almost there. And they understand that it is a big step. He... Anthony Yard had six, seven fights as an amateur or whatever. So he's, you know, they're still building mm. there. But without even going to world level, he can have great fights. Jose Burton, uh, Frank Bullioni, Joshua Boazzi, yeah, Liam Conroy. They, you know, the list, it, maybe there's 10, of, there could be 10 of them in mm. Britain. Mm. And we all want to see him fight each other. Mm. And then the best of those is when they start creeping into that that world mix. Because like you say, it's not like, one you can just sneak in. Mm. Sometimes you get divisions where you can sneak in, nick a belt, mm. nick a WBA regular, and you're there. Yeah, this isn't one of them. No, this you're you gonna got, have to you're gonna beat be someone. Legit. You're gonna have to beat someone very good. Yeah, so they have to they have to time it right, get the right fights at British level, which Callum did with Frank. Yeah, win them, you know, and then we see what happens from there. But if Callum Johnson does, it opens the door for everyone. Mm. If he, if he does pull it off, and uh, that British division is is wide open who is your favourite it's hard to say because they're all at different levels like Frank yeah. Bullioni we've seen a lot of him yeah. we've seen him come and go in terms of win and lose we've seen him knock people out we've seen him get stopped on his feet he's at a different level for instance I say level different stage to Anthony Yard yeah. we haven't seen him tested yet yeah. we've seen him look very good against mediocre opposition um, but your gut instinct right now who are you going to go do you know what I think boy. I think in 10 years we'll look back of this batch I think Joshua Boazzi is the one, but he is what five six and oh. Yeah. So it's hard to say at this point. You couldn't put him in with Bullioni. Well, you could. I'm sure he'd take the fight. But you see what I mean? He's still got some building to do. But mm. I think eventually he'll come out. We'll look back at as him as the one, the best of this bunch. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But again, that's going off the fact that he's had five or six fights. He had a reasonably short amateur career, although very successful at the Olympics and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got everything. Um, and it's going to be interesting now to see what what sort of path they take. And I think he'll be one that will be boxing a lot in America. Mm. So he'll get that sort of star building mm. on both sides of the pond, which is a new idea uh, in Britain at the moment. It's a it's an emerging thing, and I think he's going to reap the rewards of that. He's just got to do the business, obviously. And let's hope that as part of that comes with big fights against his British rivals and we don't just see people being shipped over for him to beat up Hmm. Um, stick around there's still lots to come on the show Uh, Tommy Coyle's coming up in around about half an hour so make sure you stick around for that Uh, coming next though it is the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame we are celebrating the 21st anniversary of something quite bizarre you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 
Jackson, Hall of Fame. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Cartor, Declan Taylor with me in the studio. And every single week, uh, we induct something from the world of boxing into the Hall of Fame. Now, it's not a traditional Hall of Fame, this, where we're just picking out fighters and going through their careers and thinking, yes, they definitely deserve a place. Anything goes. We've even had Ricky Atten's fans stuck in here. Uh, today is one of those days where it is a little bit weird uh, because it's, well, this week we've uh, experienced the 21st anniversary of this. What happened here? He got bit, I think. Evander Holyfield, look out, he's pushed right here, above us by Tyson. He's got bit in the ear. Oh my goodness, he's got a bloody right ear. Holyfield bit by a dirty Mike Tyson. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Well, first he had a parachute drop on him, now he had a heavyweight behind him. Absolute crackers. From one point deduction to a disqualification to a two point deduction. Um, you may have just heard a little bit in the commentary there when you were checking in with the referee, Mons Lane. Uh, the, the doctor asked Ivan the Holyfield, Are you okay? Now he's a fighter. He just went, Yeah, I'm all right. Of course he's okay. The geezer just bit in his ear. He wants to get back in there and give him a good hiding. That's basically what's got. That, that is why that fight was allowed to go on, of which then Tyson bit him again. Um, on the other ear. On the other ear, just for good measure, just to even it up. Uh, and that's when the uh, the fight was eventually pulled. Absolutely ludicrous. So what's going into the Hall of Fame, I hear you ask? It is, of course, Evander Holyfield's ear. Or that- at least that small section from the top of it. That little bit of right ear that was pictured on the, on the canvas some, sometime later. I don't know whatever happened to it. Maybe they stitched it back on. Mm. Mike Tyson says he actually delivered it to Holyfield in formaldehyde some years later. I'm not sure how true that is. Nah. But- that little bit that should be in any Hall of Fame. That little bit of mm. ear. What um, what a biz- I know that Evander Holyfield has had a wonderful, wonderful career, but how can you be involved in so many bizarre incidents in the boxing ring? Fan Man has again mentioned there in uh, in commentary uh, years before with Riddick Bowe, and then to be in a fight with Mike Tyson, for him to to bite your ear like that and to become one of, even though it's obviously, um potented the sport in, in in a way one of the most iconic moments of heavyweight boxing of all time yeah and I, I mean the thing with Holyfield is that 
a lot of people forget because because everyone just remembers Tyson Holyfield being about the ear, but a lot of people forget that the first fight between was unbelievable. Them, which was in the December or the November, it was late in that 1996, so just some six or seven months earlier. Uh, and that was really, obviously, Tyson had lost to Buster Douglas already in those strange circumstances in Japan, biggest upset maybe ever in boxing. So this, against Holyfield, was maybe his first real defeat, if you know what I mean, because mm. it wasn't... a Holyfield was a big underdog, but it wasn't an upset like the Douglas one was. Mm. So Holyfield completely outboxed him that night, stopped him in the eleventh round, floored him, you know, really pulled that that veil of invincibility or of of madness that came with Tyson, made him look human that night mm. because Tyson was used to scaring everyone. It didn't scare Holyfield at all. So to do that in the first fight was was enough really for what he did in terms of how he changed the way people looked at Mike Tyson. But then in the second fight, it made the whole world forever look at Mike Tyson in a different way. The bot- You say tainted, I think it completely, it was a shockwave through the whole sport. Hmm. It was on every news channel. It was manna from heaven for anyone in charge of directing news or getting pictures, video of this guy. But as I remember it, it obviously wasn't like this, but... Tyson blood round his mouth, you know, dripping down his chin, mm. Holyfield's whole ear hanging off. It wasn't quite like that. Mm. But the pictures afterwards with the, the little dink out of the top of his ear, all red, it was just gruesome. And to think that happened in a professional ring in at the time, which was the most, the biggest heavyweight fight into, I think it got a hundred, it was the first heavyweight fight to do a hundred million dollars. Um, and then that happened. It is just crackers is right that's the that is the perfect way to describe it it was just, and the, just the fact i'm mean, looking back at it he did it once mm. mills lane's like right i'm stopping the fight actually no no let's just take yeah. two points off let's go again and he does it again well i've i've kind of you know i've been hypercritical down the years of mills lane's um performance and the and the commission's performance at that particular moment but if you think about it like you say nobody's ever no seen anything really like that what's going on no yeah. and, and and like what you were saying moments ago there's a lot of money at stake here. People yeah. have paid big money to be in there. Um, I know this is no excuse, but I'm just trying to think of all the emotions that must have been going through all of their heads at that particular time. There's a lot of people that have paid big money to be there. The whole world is watching. Like you say, it's the first fight that's done 100 million. Yeah. Uh, it's only the third round as well. Yeah, it's, it's only, only just started yeah. really, even though uh, Ivan has put it on him in the first two rounds yeah. and he's quite comfortably winning that fight yeah. at that particular time. So loads of different questions are going around. And then the most bizarre thing that you've ever seen in a boxing ring, apart from Fan Man, <laughs> the most bizarre thing then happens. You've got to just act. And I think he got it right the second time. Yeah, he said, eventually. He said, well, he, yeah, he said yeah. it's a disqualification. Yeah. And that's what it should have been at that particular time. Yeah, if he thinks he's bitten him the first time, yeah, he, should have pulled, he should have thrown him out then. Mm. But he didn't. Mm. And it went on and he bit him again. But yeah, you're right as well. Holyfield was easily winning the fight. More easily, perhaps, in the first fight. So Tyson, there's two ways of looking at it. Tyson completely lost his head. He's a lunatic and he bit his ear. Or he thought, I'm going to get beat again here. Yeah. He's battering me. Yeah. I need to get find a way out. I can't get I can't get humbled again. Yeah. I need to get out of this fight. Yeah. Which we see, it happens a lot down the years. People swallow it. They don't swallow it by taking a knee or going. They try and get themselves disqualified. Hmm. Unlike Martin Murray's opponent, I think he was just, dirty <laughs> Mike Tyson perhaps thought I need a way out of this he's obviously fuming because he got headbutted as well bad and Mills Lane didn't deduct a point mm. so he's 
he's angry. That was he's, in the round previous, wasn't exactly it? Exactly, in the second. Yeah, that was so in the second. So he's angry, yeah. he's bleeding, he's losing, and he wants to... He's in close. Because Holyfield, I think, at the first bite, on on the right here, the one that does the damage, I think Holyfield basically goes in with his head again. So he's obviously in a clinch. Mm. So he's headbutted him again, and he's, you can just imagine the fury rising, you know, every sinew of Tyson's body. Yeah. And he just does, does it the it. only way. And also, if you think, he's got a gum shield in. Yeah. That's a good... He's got to do some proper biting to get, yeah, yeah, get yeah. a bit of meat off with one of them on. A proper, you know, custom-made gummy. Uh, and he's, it must have been the bottom bottom row of teeth that did the damage. But it's just mind-boggling that it happened. And and obviously, the aftermath was crazy. Uh, Tyson swinging punches at police. Uh, you know, afterwards trying to explain it. He's doing interviews. That would never happen now. If someone did that in the modern age, you wouldn't see him for six months. No. He's doing interviews afterwards going, yeah, I've got kids. He's cutting my eyes. They need to look at me tomorrow morning and stuff. It's just, whole thing was bonkers. And then the, just just the whole Mike Tyson late 90s was crazy because then he did he, he bites Lennox Lewis again in yeah. another press conference uh, later <laughs> on when, when they end up meeting because that all kicked off. He ended up biting him in the leg, didn't he? He had that moniker given to him, I suppose, from people like me and you that were working at that time, the baddest man on the planet. Do you think that he felt that he had to live up to it? And he became a bit of a caricature of himself in that late 90s. I don't think it was contrived by him in any way. I think it was more that what he did got him that moniker and he just carried on. You know, this is someone who went to went to prison for sexual assault. And, yeah. you know, he's he had a horrible upbringing. And, you know, it wasn't I don't think it was something where he thought, Do you know what, this is this is a good character to be. I'm going to try and be like this. It was just the whole thing was was wrong. Customato brought him up. As as he said, you know, try to dampen or at least uh, harness the inferno, which was Mike Tyson. And then Cust dies. So yeah. he's sort of on his own. And he's got backers. He's got people pulling him here, there. He's got loads of money going in his account. He's got a tiger in his house. He's going to prison. He later becomes a vegan. So yeah. he's no, can't eat an ear if you're a vegan. <laughs> you know, he's, he becomes a Muslim as well. The whole thing, his whole world was just like a whirlwind at the time. Mm. And we're just seeing it. Obviously, at the time, it, there was no Twitter. There was no 24-hour news. It wasn't... Do you know something? You evict something there. Yeah. That was the, that's the thing, I think. Because we're so used to now consuming everything. For example, we'll talk about this later on in the show with AJ and Wilder. It's all been played out yeah. right in front we of our eyes. We can see every step. Yeah, we're seeing everything. Then it wasn't. It was like, all, it'd just be a headline, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. And it'd be like, Mike Tyson's bought a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so you're thinking, what? Yeah. Absolutely crazy. And like you, I remember this, because this was, this was early hours of the morning. I didn't stay up stupidly to watch this fight. <laughs> I just saw it in because it was front page straight yeah, away. Straight away, yeah. It was uh, you, you switched on BBC Breakfast or whatever channel that you were watching ITV the morning after you, you stick it on, and the headline story, not in the sport, the headline story was Mike Tyson's bit of under Holyfield's ear, and yeah. you were just like captivated by it because it was rolling news all day. Yeah, and at that time, obviously, obviously, it still is. People in in positions of power in the media are picking and choosing what is their number one story what's mm. number two what's best in sport what isn't what they think crosses over but at that time it was obviously far more important because you only got the news you got the newspapers you got the magazines there was no twitter there was no fan sort of yeah. journalism yeah 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 it was all laid on so it is easy to mold uh, a character or a caricature mm. which mike tyson became but that was not contrived by him and I don't think contrived by anyone it was would have just been manna from heaven for these people in control Mike Tyson's gone crazy again Mike Tyson has done the maddest thing you've seen in a ring 
we've got all the footage, by the way. Look at this. Look at the picture of, of Alan Holyfield. It was just a perfect news package. And it stunned boxing. It damaged boxing badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it damaged Mike Tyson a lot as mm. well because now not only had he been humbled in the ring in the 1996 by Vander Holyfield and that that fight against Holyfield the first one came after the Bruce Seldon one where mm. he knocked him out in a round mm. he was back you know he's really on a roll so now people think okay maybe he's not what we thought he was Holyfield's done a job on him a cruiserweight has done mm. a job on him now oh actually he can't he can't back it up either when he's under the cosh after two rounds he doesn't know what to do so it's all falling apart mm. and now people think he's a lunatic but every day everyone on the street in england everywhere in the world has seen that he's bitten a band over his ear off everyone thinks he's crazy and that was just a downward spiral mm. you know the beginning and it's sad in a way and mike tyson maybe never recovered from it and mm. never will again you only see him when he's wheeled out for things nowadays who knows what his mind frame is mm. i've seen him a lot doing uh shows in vegas and stuff he does interviews some days some days he's up some days he's down it's difficult to really get a handle on where he's at but at that time he was just like customer said just a towering inferno mm. uh, there you go all of them this week uh, Ivan the Holyfield's ear. Stick it right in there. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be speaking to a man that is making his American dream come true. Tommy Coyle's on the show. Don't go anywhere. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Fight Night on TalkSport 2. Uh, now then, if you're only just joining us, you've missed the first hour of the show, what are you are playing at? Uh, it will be available as a podcast, make sure you're all over the TalkSport Twitter feed because we will stick it up there for you uh, so you can download and listen to it at your own free will. It's me, Adam Catterall, Declan Taylor's with me as well. Uh, we've already heard uh, from Martin Murray and Callum Johnson on the show. I think it's only fair that we get our third guest, a man that wowed us in Liverpool with an absolute fantastic career best performance. Uh, he's, in the, he's at the peak of his powers uh, and we're led to believe that he's uh, taking on the American dream right now. That's what that's what that's what's going down next. Tommy Coyle, welcome to the show. How are you? 
Yes, very well. Thanks for having me on. How are, how are you all? We're all all right, mate. We're all well. Uh, good, talk, good. To, talk to me more about America because I, I keep hearing it, I keep hearing it, I keep hearing it that Tommy Coyle and the uh, the Hull Army are taking over the States. Yes, all being well. So, um, you know, I, I think I was ready to, to probably go out on a career best performance, as you mentioned, uh, um, and, and hang them up having, you know, achieved everything that I set out to achieve. But I spoke with Eddie and he mentioned the possibility of fighting in America now. Growing up, you watch all the big fights, Mike Tyson boxing in America, in New York, Vegas, and it just really does something for me. And to go over there and have a right good tear up could just be, you know, it'd be the pinnacle for me. So, yeah, I'm going to go for broken and, and roll the dice again. Literally, because uh, you've got to do, you've got to blag him for a bit of Vegas, mate. That's what it is. We've got to be going to oh. Vegas. You know, doing all that all day long, all, all day long. You know, to, as a, as a young kid growing up, you always dream about you know being in them big fights. And I've been in some fairly big fights, but to go and be in another big fight, but in in you know America, one of the the boxing's you know places that's looked upon as one of the great places to fight. And you know, it'd be fantastic. It really would. Is yeah, the, but, is the idea? Sorry, is the idea to get on one of them zone shows? Is that going to be the route in for you? I think I think that's the plan, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know what? I think my style will go down a treat. Yeah. Out there, the, you know, the, the Americans, the Yanks, the, the other kid who comes to fight. Um, you know, I'm not one of these um, stylistics who, you know, he's a, he's a mover and a groover. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to and I'm going to fight to win. Do whatever I've got to do to win. So I think I think I'll lap it up. Mate, you are 100% fighting a Mexican, right? That's a, that's 100% what's happening. They're just going to go, right, let's have a gun show. Stick them in. Yeah, well, that, that's probably about, sounds about right, Freddy. <laughs> I've, I've wondered for years whether he actually likes me or not. Some of the <laughs> but on that, though, I know that you've just said career best performance uh, in Liverpool, and it was, mate. It was absolutely tremendous to be ringside to watch that, and you were quite prepared to go, right, I've had my lot now, I've had, I've had my fun. You've got successful businesses in Hull. You'll crack on with that with the rest of your life. But what about if you go over to America and make uh, a bit of a statement over there? You know, you can't walk away. Then the the Americans will be going get get that Tommy get Boom Boom back on. We need to get him back over here. <laughs> I don't know what. I really don't know. As I said, I'm not I'm not in the boxing game for a few quid. There's no real financial um, appeal there for me. The, the genuinely in. I, listen, as long as the cupboards are full and my bills are paid, I'm not bothered. And um, my health's way more important. I've got two yeah. kids and a wife who I love to death. The way I fight puts a lot of miles on the clock. You know, getting put, you remember getting punched in the head with eight ounce gloves on. It's a dangerous sport, yeah. and you can't put a price on your health. Um, like I said, my scrapbook's great. I met Michael Buffer. I've you know I've I've, I've had a great a great career. I'm just I'm going to go over there. Um, and, and go for broke and I, I hope it's a dead tough fight I hope it's the biggest fight with the biggest reward possible in terms of titles or um, you know experience and I'm just going to go in there and, and have a shootout yeah like you said I like that I like that you mentioned there in your career highlights I met Michael Buffer yeah. That's, that, yeah, to well, be fair I did that <laughs> I still say to him well, my claim to fame there's a place in all which is you know it's, all the lads are from I'm, I'm an East Oak kid and uh, Preston Road. And I said, I'm the only man to ever bring Michael Buffer down Preston Road. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that's where Craven Park was. And, you know, little things like that. My scrapbooks, man, I can show my kids it and be proud. 
hundred percent, mate. No, there's no question about it. Listen, I um, I was, I keep seeing on uh, social media as well that uh, everybody knows that obviously your family are uh, grocers. Everybody comes yeah. to you in Hull for obviously the fruits and veg, mate. But I'm led to believe that you're uh, you're entering the liquor trade as well now. You know what I mean? You're uh, you're trying to get everybody drunk up there. <laughs> Listen, you can dine, drink, and dance. That's what it's all about. We're going back to the to the twenties, but more like the fifties, sixties. When you take your missus out, you wine her and dine her, and you yep. get up and you have a dance with her. I've come from an old school family, and my dad likes to think he can bop a little bit, and then the man. So yeah, do you know what it is? I just boxing ain't forever. Um, yeah, and I'm not going to be relevant forever. I, I understand I've got a, a short shelf life. And, you know, the few quid you earn from boxing, you've got to try and put it into stuff, you know, because I ain't got no education. I made a load of wrong decisions as a young kid growing up. So I tried to make the right decisions mm. when I got my second chance. Mm. So, you know, when I do finish, I'll have a job. Um, I can work in the bar, I can work on the fruits, or, you know, I can work in my gyms as a PT. I've got stuff to be doing, stuff to keep me busy, stuff to keep me, you know, my mind sane as well, because... A lot of fighters, all they know is boxing, and when they finish, there's a big hole missing in the life, and you know it can lead to a lot of um, you know mental you know mental health yeah. issues and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm I'll always love boxing, and and that's another thing. You know I want to go out loving the game. I don't ever want to be be sour towards the game because it's yeah. it's had an impact on my health. Mm. It's all about timing and anything you do. Well, getting out at the right time, you know, with the least uh, the least punishment. Listen, I think you're being too humble there, saying that you'll always work, mate. You've done well setting up them businesses and doing what you're doing. Just a quick one because you've been with um, you've been with Jamie for quite a period of time now, and obviously there's a there's a few new faces flo- floating around that gym, and the the gym is absolutely flying. Talk to me about that change, mate, because you've been there since day dot with him. So I have. It's, it's been it's what what a rise it's been over the last year, especially. Listen, I just want to say this before I say anything. Jamie Moore um, and, and Nigel Travis as well, but Jamie is, is a special man. He's not only made me a better fighter, he's made me a better person, a better dad, a better husband to my wife. Um, he's a good person and, you know, good things happen to good people and, and I believe that's why he's got all them great fighters in the gym and I like attract like. And... Um, you know what, training with them types of people in the gym, it made me believe again. I spied with Carl Frampton, I, I did half all right, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he said to me... Uh, He's all right, that Carl Frampton, isn't he? He can do a bit. Yeah, I can do a bit, all right. He's <laughs> not a bad singer, to be fair. Um, and he said to me, he said, geez, Tommy, he says, you can box. He says, why don't you box? I said, I don't know. I said, I get on the chin. I said, and the plan just goes out the window. <laughs> I said, and I'm just, I'm just going to survival mode and want to have a terror. He went, nah, I said, listen, you need to stick to your boxing. And um, for, to hear that from a world champion, I mean, yeah. you know, I sparred really well against him. I'm not the most confident kid in the world, but he made me believe in myself. And um, I've been around all these types of fighters as opposed to training on my own, just me, Jamie, and that. Mm. Some of the, the weird things and weird thoughts that I used to have, and mm. um, all the other lads have them as well. So I'm not actually a weirdo. <laughs> um, we're all weirdos, do you know what I mean? So I was bouncing ideas off them, saying, "Do you feel like this? Do you feel like?" Because listen, I'll fight anybody. I don't care if there's seven foot, eight foot, nine foot, and there's five of them. I really don't. I've had more good items than I've had all dinners. I said, "But you know, what I'm scared. Of? I'm scared of losing. I'm scared of." 
you know, that embarrassment factor. Yeah. But and I just thought it was me, but every every other fighter feels the same. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just gonna embrace it. Because I'm not a weirdo, I'm I'm the same as these lot. Nah. Tommy, as well as the as well as the fight in America, there's obviously been a lot of talk of um of Lewis Ritson as well. What's the situation with, with that fight? Is that something do you think that could happen? Well, everyone's saying he's the best out there at lightweight at the minute. We haven't fought me. He um so <laughs> how can you say how can you say he's the best? Listen, he he's tough, he's strong, but I'm tough and strong. Yeah, he can punch. I can punch. And if somebody's as tough as him, but but we don't actually know if he's tough because he's blown everybody out. Um, listen, he ain't gonna blow me out, and if I get him into that latter part of the fight, he's in trouble because I will keep coming and keep coming. I'm like a boomerang, <laughs> and if you don't if you don't get rid of me early, I'm not going anywhere fast. And if he pulls me down, I'm gonna get back up. He's gonna have to put me to sleep. So for me, um, I've got it in my head. I've got two fights. Because I've got the missus whining at me about fighting again, and um, I want to, I want to, one get the fans what they want. Everyone's, you know, p- piping up on my timeline. Uh, Louis Richardson's this, Louis Richardson's that. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the kid, by the way. I think he's very good, and he's 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 good on the eye. I like watching him. I like them throwback kind of fighters. But you know what? It'd be nice to share him. It'd be a nice experience. Get a few pictures afterwards and. It's just one of them, isn't it? It's a fight, and ain't gonna. I've the, the the place I'm at in my life right now. I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. Mm. Like I'm content. I'm super happy. I live a decent life, and you know what? Anything now, it's like if I get an ice cream, you're getting hundreds and thousands on the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> whatever happens now, it's just a bonus for me. So if Louis Richardson wants it, then you can have it. No wonder everybody's laughing in that gym with you knocking about, mate. Listen, I'll uh, I'll, I'll let you get on with your day, mate. Thank you so much for joining us, pal. Take care. Cheers, Tom. Hey, it's a pleasure. Top one. See you later. Top man. Tommy Coyle there. Um, super stuff. Uh, you'll see him in America uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, what a career he's had. Like you said, lots of knockbacks, lots of uh, bumps in the road, but that performance against uh, Masha in Masha's, I say hometown even though he's Birkenhead, but mm. in Liverpool on Merseyside. It was absolutely tremendous. And just as that gym starting to boom, he's thinking of, I'll call it a day now, but there's something inside him there that's uh, maybe just thinking to himself, go on, I'll have another couple of knocks. Yeah, and it was two years ago this month that he lost to Tyrone Nurse. Wow. And I know it's gone quick, but at that point, it was difficult to see what he was going to do, where he was going to go. Mm. Obviously, Tyrone Nurse, not a good style for him, but he's come back with two stoppage wins. The best of which you would say was the was the Masha Masha win, which was brilliant. And mm. he, it did. I worry is probably the wrong word, but when he was doing his post fight interview and he said, "I'll be happy to walk away here," mm. then you then you hear he's going to fight again. Mm. You wonder has he already gone? In has his he head? already yeah, gone? Yeah, yeah. But you, what you do know with Tommy Coyle is that you're going to get a fight out of him, aren't mm. you? So if he puts himself through the camp and he gets in the ring, mm. he's not someone who who would do that half heartedly. Mm. He's going to have his. You know he'll he'll put everything on the line. It would be great for him to do it in America. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that because they've got all sorts of dates, all sorts of venues to fill. It's basically a blank canvas for Eddie. So they, like you say, could get a Mexican in. They, you know, there's there's plenty of 
very good fighters at lightweight mm. and he wins that. I'd love to see the Ritson fight as well because mm. that's just a shootout, isn't it? That would be brilliant. And it sounds like he doesn't, re he, you know, it sounds like he's not bought on the Lewis Ritson hype. I suppose as a fellow lightweight in this country, you wouldn't be. It's probably not natural to be really singing Into his praises. Else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but um, Ritson to me looks like a real deal. Tommy Call will be a very good gatekeeper. Is People see that as disrespectful at times, but it would be a very good mm. gatekeeper into that world class. A bit like Luke Campbell, the mm. same sort of situation as that. But you know, he's been a, it's been wonderful to watch and to cover over the years. Tommy Coyle, mm. absolutely tremendous. Uh, stick around because Gareth Ed Davis is going to be on the show uh, live from America, keeping us up to date with what's going on stateside. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport Two. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall. Declan Taylor's with me. Uh, earlier on this week, Amir Khan had a little press conference in Birmingham to announce his upcoming fight. Um, and he's taking on uh, Vargas. Don't get too excited. It's Sammy Vargas. <laughs> uh, listen, I have no problem with him fighting a tin can. No problem whatsoever at this moment because he's been away for a long period of time. He's only had, what, 40 seconds against Phil LaGreco, blew mm. him away in Liverpool, which got us all dead excited. The problem that I have at the moment with Amir is is the rhetoric, right? Every now and again, Kel Brook's name comes up. That's the one that I want, right? I'm, maybe I'm being totally selfish. That's the one I want to see. Amir Khan, Kel Brook. But I know full well, £147 is going to be a massive push for Kel Brook. He's massive as it is. He struggled for years to get down to 147 when he was world champion there. So I thought there's an opportunity there maybe at 150. I'm not saying a full 154. But a catch weight, 149, 150, something like that. Let's make that fight happen. There's a lot of money there to be made. Personally, that is the route that I see. However, listening to the press conference this week, every time that Kel Brook's name was mentioned, yeah, we can do that at 147. <laughs> of course, then that, that's 100% in your favour then, Amir. That's cool. Um, and then I also see other narratives for Manny Pacquiao. Still chasing the uh, either the Floyd Mayweather or the Manny Pacquiao uh, uh, gravy train. And you can't blame him for that, I suppose, because there's a lot of money to be made there. And with Manny Pacquiao in uh, what, well, I call it fake world title uh, action. We're a regular belt. We're Lucas Matisse in the not too distant future. Maybe that is a road back into the shark tank of this 147 uh, pound division. But there are some serious sharks knocking about there. I don't know where I'm at with Amir, mm. really, at the moment. I don't know where I see him going at 147 because I can't see him beating Errol Spence. I can't see him beating Thurman. I can't see him beating Terence Crawford. So so what's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless you're going for big big dollar fights. Mm. Well, he's obviously got a big still got a massive role to play in British boxing just based on the fact that he sold out the Echo Arena, which not a, a whole lot of people do. People loved that knockout. It wasn't for me, you know, the Le Greco fight did nothing for me. Just, you know, beat him up. Really? Did he not? Did he not send you away with a little bit of a spring in your step, thinking to yourself, "Whoa, oh, yes. back, yeah, yeah. Khan's back." No, not exactly. Because, although it was nice to see he doesn't really finish people like that, and he could have easily yeah. coasted that fight. So it was nice to see that sort of side of him. Um, I think Vargas is a step up from Lagreca. I think we'll we'll get more Khan. Vargas is a decent operator. He's not a complete idiot. You know, he's been stopped by good people. Errol Spence stopped him, and you know, obviously Khan's expected to win. It's another step back on that road. I'm interested to see how he does the weight because I, I remember speaking to Kel Brook before uh, at the an, the announcement press conference for the Rabchenko fight, so a good few months back, and he said he doesn't think Amir Khan will ever make welterweight again. 
I know obviously Kell Brook's not going to speak Amir Khan up, but it's an interesting point. I think the Lagreco fight was at 150. Yeah. Um, this Vargas fight is at 147, I believe. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see how he does that, how he copes with it, if he's comfortable. He's obviously, he obviously a former world champion at light welter, yeah, but he's, gr- he's a growing guy. And I think because he started so early, making he's made weight throughout his teenage years, I think as soon as he opened himself up to making welterweight, his body just begun to grow enjoy himself a bit more yeah and a mm. bit uh, you know naturally he's been restricting his calories for so many years that as soon as he goes oh then it, it it's harder mm. to get off and I'll, I'll be interested he's 30 years old 31 something like that mm. you know he's not a young guy anymore so it'd be interesting to see how he does 47 he might find that it's a struggle for himself um but i do know what you mean for me the fight that i want to see him in before he before he retires mm. is kel brook i'm not interested obviously it'd be nice to see him in other fights but I'm not. I'm not like angry if he doesn't fight Errol Spence or whatever. No, but same. I'm gonna if he walks away, if his career ends before fighting Kell Brook, it's gonna be a real shame. Mm. It's gonna be a real Junior Witt, a Ricky Hatton sort of situation. Mm. Um, but but the problem is with that. I mean, no disrespect to Junior Witter. Junior Witter didn't have an audience. No, no, I it? know exactly what you mean. Yeah, Ricky Hatton had the massive audience. Junior Witter didn't, even though he was a talented fighter and that Manchester rivalry was absolutely bang yeah. on. Both these lads have audience. Yeah, at one point they didn't, did they? It was Khan yeah. was in the Ricky yeah, Hatton yeah, yeah. side, but and, now and, and Kel would have been the junior winner. Exactly, and now they're just come together and they're they're very they're right there. And it's a bit similar to what we talked about with Joshua Wilder. The money on offer is ridiculous. Mm. So for both guys have got family and kids, for for them to walk away from this sort of money is mind boggling. But maybe it's because we're not professional sportsmen that that we cut, you know yeah, that we yeah. don't see the other side of it. But the fact that they they could leave this money on the table, I would think that Kel Brook would make one four seven for this fight. I've spoken to oh, the yeah. nutritionists, spoken to Kel, they'll do it. But the fact is, it does hand Amir Khan a significant advantage. But it's it's about Kel Brook thinking is the advantage enough for him to to beat me or even touch me. Kel mm. Brook obviously thinks he's going to walk through Kel uh, through Amir Khan. That's that's obviously what he's always thought off the back of their sparring sessions or whatever happened in there. He's obviously very confident of winning. Amir Khan says he's confident of winning, but my gut feeling has always been if he's so confident, then they would have fought by now. Hmm. And I wonder whether he knows that if he loses to Kel Brook, losing to Canelo is one thing. You know, getting knocked out by Danny Garcia is another. You know, Prescott knocking him out in a shock. He can come back from that. If you lose to Kel Brook after all these years... If you get stopped by Kel Brook afterwards, he says, what do you do? That's it. Where do you go? It's over. This guy that you've literally held on a piece of string for years and mocked him and said, no, nah, you know, been the A-side, no, I'm the important one, you're you're chasing me. For him to beat you up in England or in Wales, more likely, in Cardiff, under the, under the roof, in front of 90,000 with a million people buying on pay-per-view, what does he do then? Obviously, he goes away and counts his money, but he's got a lot of it already. Mm. So that is one thing that always worries me. Obviously, the weight is the big issue. Will, will we ever get a deal? But from hearing from Khan and Eddie this week, I think that the schedules are aligning with Kell Brook, crucially. And they don't do that you know, by accident. They do that on purpose. Kell Brook and Khan are fighting within five, six weeks of each other. All being well, and Brook knocks out Cook, and Khan knocks out Vargas... There's nothing stopping them from doing it in December. Mm. There really isn't. They could go and make life-changing mm. money in a, in, a, in a few months in front of how many people. It could happen. Whether it will is another thing. But 
I'm, I must say I'm confident that, that we'll get it before we walk up, you let's know, before up, we will hang up. Let's hope so. Uh, Don McGuinness was actually at the press conference this week and he called up, we are here, so let's have a listen to uh, uh, what the man from Bolton had to say. Now, Greco came to fight and probably loved all the media hype around it. But with this guy, you can see he doesn't do that. He just wants to come and fight and win. Um, he wants to cause an upset, I'm not going to let him do that. But look, time will tell. End of the day, I can't afford to lose again. I'm sure he doesn't want to lose again. So, so yeah, he wants to make it back to the top. I want to fight. I want to go back to the top again, fight with the big names again. So let's see where this goes from here. So the plan is then September the 8th, you get past this fella. I know you're going to say what everyone says. You're not looking past him. You want a good camp. You want to get, do a good job on it. December would be the next fight date. And what would we be looking at then? Well, you know what? Being, being WBA, hopefully winning this fight could sanction me to fight Manny Pacquiao, winner of Manny Pacquiao and, and Lucas Matisse. I mean, that's the fight I would want next if, it, if he's there for me. I want to become a world champion again. I am mandatory, so this is a mandatory fight for that. And would that suit you best with knowing Manny the way you do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a fight I've been talked about for a long, long time. So yeah, we talked about it. We were going to make it. It never happened. I think now is the time where we forced him to take the fight, being a mandatory position. So yeah. And we've managed to get this far without mentioning Kelbrook. It's still not far away, though, is it? In terms of his name, he's away. got a fight coming up, and all the rest of it. Up, so let's respect. Let's show our respect to Manny uh, for to sorry to uh, Kelbrook. Let's show our respect, and uh, hopefully we can. Um, Go from there on, there on. I mean, let's get past this guy first. And they see. And look, Kelbo fight is going to be a mega fight. I want that fight. It's not, I'm not turning around. I'm not turning it away. I want the you fight. Want title first. I want the title first. Oh, look. Let's see where December takes us. Um, oh, that's a summer fight. That's a fight in a stadium. There you go. I'm listening to him chat there. I think we will. We are more likely to see. Amir Khan, Manny Pacquiao before we see Amir Khan, Kelbrook. Maybe, but I've got. I don't want to cast dispersions or say anything wrong legally. But there's still something weird going on with Manny Pacquiao and Lucas Matisse. Yeah. As far as I can gather, there's no money in any account yet for that fight in Kuala Lumpur. I mm. wouldn't be that surprised if that never happened. Mm. So then, I think what Amir is sort of suggesting is that obviously, if Manny Pacquiao's still fighting. There's a big argument that he shouldn't be and he should concentrate on his politics career. He's, you know, he's done his thing now. We've seen the best of him. He got beat by Jeff Horn. He should have walked away then. So if he is still active and still going, then fair enough, chase him. But there's every chance that we might never see Manny Pacquiao in the ring again. So if that's the case, then he has to go somewhere else. So I think in an ideal world, he'd want to fight Manny Pacquiao because he knows he'd have a good chance of beating him these days. Um, they obviously sparred together and whatever mm. wild card. What about Matisse? Would he would he have a no. good no? I don't no, I don't think they go anywhere near Matisse. If Matisse beats Pacquiao mm. and if he I th- for me, if he's gonna win that fight, he'll do it by stoppage. I don't see him winning on points. Hundred percent. Matisse's big puncher, obviously aggressive guy comes forward. Uh if it goes twelve rounds, you'd think Pacquiao would counter punch him to death, you know, in and out, Southpaw, whatever. But if Matisse wins, knocks out Pacquiao, I just think that that's the last place that they'll go. With Amic, I don't, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but you, you basically keep him away from people with hard left hooks, and you just think Lucas Matisse is not a big name. Why would you do that? Mm. But then, if Pacquiao wins, obviously the the whole idea, the whole scenario changes, and that becomes very attractive. So they have to see what happens with that fight, obviously, and it is for that world title, the world regular regular title. So it is, it gets you. Uh, relevant again in the division, I suppose it gets you, gives you a reason to make ten stone seven again, because mm, mm. f- for the most part he doesn't really have to, because if he fights people, he, you know, in non-title fights he can do what he wants. So I, I feel like they'll have 
Brooke as a backup line. At least that's what Khan will be thinking. Eddie Hearn will be thinking very differently. Mm. Uh, and the the sounds, are, you know, the the noises are positive in terms of December, in terms of Cardiff, Brooke and Khan. Let's hope so because we're going to get Joshua in September now. I think they're going to want to close the year with a biggie, a pay-per-view. And I think that's what they'll aim to do. And it'd be great because then they could have another one next year. Um, we're going to get the thoughts of Gareth A. Davis uh, very soon. He's over in the States, sunning himself. Um, I'm getting a little bit of a tan on, I'm led to believe. Um, but he'll give us a, all his thoughts on uh, AJ Wilder. And I've no doubt he'll have a little bit of a thought on uh, Amir Khan uh, and where he's going next as well. Make sure you stick around. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2. Welcome to the jungle. It's fight night on TalkSport 2, and when you hear that music, you know that it is the main man. He's got more chains than Mr. T, this fella. It is, of course, Gareth A. Davis. How are you, mate? You well? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the play. I, I love Guns N' Roses. I'm here in the rock centre of the world in California still. It's, um, it's been a massively busy week, Adam and, and Deck. Um, I've been to the other side of America for a big press conference in New York where, of course, um, Bellator, uh, with Scott Coker leading that, has, has now signed a deal with DAZN as well. And mm-hmm. so we've got Eddie Hearn's um, matchroom with DAZN and perform. And now we've got Bellator joining forces with them. I think the streaming world is, is going to be very, very big sports streaming in the future. Mm. Um, what was um, the main premise of uh, those conversations that you had? Um, with Scott Coker about this particular deal. I know that it's not as much lucrative-wise as the Eddie Hearn one, but it's still a few quid there that could really kick Bellator on. Well, I understand it's, I understand it's in the region of about... Um, it's more than 100... It's between, somewhere between 100 and 150 million, and yeah. it's a three-year deal, yeah. and it's eight exclusive events a year, that's all, plus all the other stuff. But I started by asking Scott Coker when we were in New York at the press conference about the new deal with the online uh, streaming company to zone. Yeah, and don't forget with the announcement with uh, Leota signing with, uh, with Bellator, that was a big, big deal. Um, so it just all hit together and the announcement of the Gegard Musashi fight, uh, putting up his title against Roy McDonald. So Roy will move up and uh, fight at 185 against uh, Gegard in San Jose for the launch of the DAZN uh, relationship. Um, and then we had Rampage fighting Vandalay Silva, which is going to be amazing. So if you, you know, accumulate all the, all the great stories we had this week, it's been a, just probably the best week of the company since I've been here. Um, Gareth, I don't know about you, but um, over the last six months, let's just say, I've been hypercritical of maybe some of the matchups uh, from Bellator with the uh, heavyweight Grand Prix. I've, I've kind of been there and seen it and done it. However, when they announced Gegard Mousasi, Rory McDonald, and mm. then they started talking about a welterweight Grand Prix and the talent that they've got in there, because I've been hypercritical of Michael Venom Page not fighting anybody. Hopefully we can get him in there against Paul Daly, people like that. I started to get excited again about Bellator. No, you're spot on. They they really have... I mean, I've been telling you behind the scenes because, you know, I'm kind of close to them in, in terms of covering them at the moment. And, that, that 
you know, Declan knows this. When you work around the sport, you often know a lot of things that are going on, but you can't release them because it's a very close industry. Yeah. And, and you know there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. Rather like, and you're right to be critical of it. And I asked it at the New York press conference, when's the UK deal for yes, all the live bikes yes, coming? Because yes, yes. that's when they start getting half a million viewers. Mm. And you're, you've been spot on about that, Adam, all the way. There's, there's, there's more to come, I'm telling you. And I can't reveal it right now. I know that in mid-July... Scott Coker and Bellator and Eddie Hearn and Matchroom are having a press conference together in New York with DAZN and Perform because I think there's a there's a synergy and that we may even end yeah. up with really big um, kind of scheduled, um, if you like, through the night. We, we end up with really big title fights in mixed martial arts followed by really big title fights in boxing because I think they want to bring fight fans together. I, look... You and I have been banging on about this for about a year and a half now on the show. It's incredible at the moment for fight fans. And like you say, Gegard Mousasi against Rory McDonald. The reason why the Michael Venom Page and Paul Daly fight hasn't happened is I think it's more down to Paul Daly than anyone else. Mm. But the, the announcement of a, of a, of a welterweight tournament is, is really good news. But I, I, think, I think what's key in all of this as well is that we're getting a movement forward um, where... Um, look, we all know that the, the Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fight has kind of fallen apart for now. Behind the scenes, this is just a political money-making dance going on right now. Both fighters want to fight each other. I mean, I've watched a show with um, Below the Belt on Showtime. Again, this is political because Eddie Hearn and Showtime are not kind of moving forward much at the moment. But Brendan Sharp, the, the, the former... Um, MMA heavyweight is his show now interviewing Deontay Wilder fascinating interview worth watching online mm. um, just in the last few hours that's gone out um, Wilder's saying he's, he, he's broken at the moment he's, he's so emotional about the fact that the fight's not taking place but the truth is that fight was and I think I said it on the show with you guys last week that fight was always destined for April next year mm. and Eddie's doing a two fight deal right now with Wembley to have a fight in September which will be Povetkin and another one in April, which will be Wilder. And that is what will happen. All this Wilder stuff I'm pulling out now, I'm not fighting this nonsense. Mm. That fight will take place in April, as long as both men win, of course. Of course. Uh, let's get Eddie's thoughts on that, because he caught up with Don McGuinness a little er- earlier on this week at the Amir Khan press conference. I mean, it's been a frustrating three months. It's, it's frustrating when people say, you know, you don't, you never wanted to fight, you don't want... With all due respect, I mean, look, I do like a wind-up, but I don't enjoy three months of negotiation on a fight for it not to happen. So I do feel like I've failed, but I also feel like we've done everything on our side to try and make it happen. You can't question Joshua's desire to be in big fights. By the time he finishes fighting Povetkin, he would have had 22 fights. That would have included Dillian White, Dominic Brazil, Vladimir Klitschko, Carlos Takam, Joseph Parker and Alexander Povetkin in 22 fights. Joseph Parker was number three in the world in Ring Magazine after Joshua and Wilder. The new number three is Alexander Povetkin. So we can't get two at the moment, so we're fighting three twice. And by the way, I don't even like the Povetkin fight because he's a nightmare. He can punch, he's unbelievably tough, he's technically excellent, he's an Olympic gold medalist, he's got Rybinski and Putin behind him and those kind of boys. I mean, he's a serious player. He's small as well, which is... Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, you never want... There's more money in the Wilder fight. I would have made a lot more money. Whatever you think of me, you call me a money grab, so you can't have it both ways. What do I want? 
the truth is I want Joshua to be in an undisputed heavyweight world championship fight the great news now is now that we know what we're doing Deontay Wilder is accusing us and Anthony Joshua of not wanting a fight unfortunately for him if he's bluffing the offer is still there the contract is still there all the terms that you agreed are sitting on one of your manager's desks and he says oh we only had two small comments and the fight would have been made so show us those comments then we'll sign for the fight today and if you think you're bluffing call our bluff sign the contract and send it over and the ink will be dry before your ink's dry so now we'll see and that's the best way about it because I'm sick and tired you know Joshua's got four world championship belts Wilder's got one I want to create an Instagram world title for Deontay Wilder because that's what he seems to want to do and part of me fears that this whole episode has been about raising Wilder's profile off Joshua's name and I have to say if that was the idea they've done a brilliant job because it's worked but now we find out and fans and broadcasters should put the pressure now on Deontay and say okay so it's not happening in September October but you've got a date of April the 13th at Wembley Stadium so you've only got to have one fight in between which Joshua will do the same if you're so devastated about losing this fight if you're so sure that Joshua doesn't want this fight sign the contract and you will see or send us your comments and now you took two weeks to send the comments we never received them but now you don't have to come back to me tomorrow we've got got a week a month so we'll see we'll see if Deontay Wilder is real Eddie Earn speaking a little earlier on this week at the Amir Khan press conference about all this Wilder AJ uh, fallout Gareth I don't know about you but I've I've seen interviews with uh, Shelley Finkel and Deontay Wilder I've seen interviews with Mm. Eddie Hearn and um, both have got their own sides to the story and I think the truth lies somewhere um, close to the middle Oh definitely it's definitely six of one and and half a dozen of the other over here in America um, Shelley Finkel's you know played a very clever campaign Showtime have with Deontay Wilder as Stephen Espinosa has chimed in um, and they've you know, certainly over here amongst the American media, the boxing media, they tend to think that um, Eddie Hearn is <laughs> longing out the, 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 the issue because he did want the fight in April next year in the UK. Um, and of course, Anthony Joshua's not speaking at all, which I think is kind of interesting, quite smart in a way. And Eddie Hearn's doing all the speaking. But I tell you what, listening to Eddie there, he might learn to be a salesman one day. <laughs> um, God, he's amazing. He really is extraordinary. I had an hour on the phone with him earlier in the week when he was on the way to the Amir Khan press conference in Birmingham. And I got the background to it all as well. I do think that they've both been playing this game. I don't think we'll end up with a situation 15 years ago that we had where Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis never fought in the end, even though Wilder's kind of hinting at that. And he's hinted at that on Brendan Sharpshire. I'm only going to do 50-50 now and all this kind of stuff. Once these two have won in September and October, we will then see... The build-up and, and and Eddie's spot on. Wilder has become a bigger name through all the shenanigans going on, and it's part of the dance. It's part of the process. And when they eventually come to meet next April, without all this stuff that had gone on, it wouldn't be as big a fight as it is going to be when they eventually meet. He won't fight Tyson Fury in the interim, which he's talking about. But I do think that um, there is there's, there's things on both sides that aren't right. But I think. Those, those two little things in the contract that the Americans weren't happy with, 
Um, could have been a ruse as well. I think they've both been playing games with each other. Big mm. political card game, and that's what it is. Mm. I think earlier on in the show, myself and Declan were talking about it, and my conclusions are um, that I think both fighters 100% want the fight. I think Eddie Hearn has uh, an appreciation for where both guys stand uh, percentage-wise on a split, whereas maybe Shelley Finkel has a, um, a longing for his fighter to be paid a little bit over uh, the odds is what the majority of fans would mm-hmm. see him in that in, in that percentage, and I think that maybe was the the sticking point for this time. However, whatever Shelley Finkel has done in order to uh, to to postpone this to next year, I think it's put Deontay Wilder in a little in a stronger position to get himself a few more quid when it comes round in April. Definitely, and I don't believe a word of it when Wilder was saying on this show today. I really hope Povetkin knocks him out now. Yeah, so yeah, right. Blew it. <laughs> God, I hope that doesn't happen because it really will blow it if if Povetkin um, provides a, a bad night for Anton Joshua. I don't think he will. I think he'll be very smart. But yeah, look, Shelley Finkel's been at this for years. He did it around Mike Tyson and many other fighters. Yeah. Um, it's all about getting those extra few million for the fighters. I mean, even Eddie's very smart card game, throwing that card out there and saying, listen, we'll pay you five million for an interim fight before we pay you 15 million to come over here. Hmm. It's it's about egos. It's about games. It's about control. And, you know, the fight's got to happen in the UK. We want it in front of 90,000 people. It's an occasion that demands that kind of presence of, of a crowd of people, of it being an occasion. I just hope that, that we stay on track and we get it at Wembley next year. Because um, it's a big occasion. And, uh, you know, maybe later on in the year, then they can both fight Tyson Fury if he comes back well enough mm. in August and the next few months that he's going to fight. Mm. Uh, Gareth, when you back off your holidays, by the way, this is the longest sabbatical I've ever heard of in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm going to... <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to Joseph Parker's training camp in the week. Yeah. Um, and by the way, his, um, his, his trainer, Kevin Barry, was... Again, this is what's happened over here in America. The influences for Wilder. Kevin Barry's come out this week and said that he thinks that Hearn and Joshua um, have a fear of facing Wilder right now. And he's also said, of course, that he thinks his man, Joseph Parker, uh, his chin will withstand uh, Dillian White's attacks when, when that fight happens on... July the 28th, am I yep, right? That's yeah. right, yep. Yeah, and um, so I'm off to see Joseph Parker in his training camp this week. International fight week, two massive, again, heavyweights again. Daniel Cormier, yep. Pepe Miocic, fantastic yeah, fight. fight. Max Holloway, Brian Ortega yep. at featherweight, a fantastic fight. Yep. And then back home on Monday. So, uh, a little Oh, bit you're coming home, are you? That's lovely. You're coming, you're coming home. All oh, right, right, great sound. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks then. <laughs> <laughs> Top man. Thanks for being on, buddy, once again. Uh, Pleasure as always, Gareth A. Davis. Um, I'd love that. I'd love his gig. Just (laughs) go and live in America for six weeks. He loves it, doesn't he? Uh, But he's back in a couple of weeks to talk more fights, and I've no doubt he'll give us uh, all the latest on uh, the build-up to Joseph Parker, Dillian White, because he's spending time, as he just said there, with Joseph Parker. Uh, Stick around. There's a little bit of uh, of more news to get through here in the boxing world. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2. When you hear Neil Diamond, you know it's near enough. Well, it's normally the beginning of the show. This is now the end of the show, isn't it? <laughs> kind of getting there. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall, and Declan Taylor. Uh, we're going to finish by talking about uh, the World Boxing Super Series. 
because after Josh Taylor's fantastic performance last week, uh, Barry uh, McGuigan was there. He was giving it the one, wasn't he? We're going after Jose M- uh, Ramirez, the full WBC champ. We're not messing about with that WBSS. We're not getting involved with that nonsense. And then uh, yesterday afternoon, in it comes, little announcement. Josh Taylor's entered the World Boxing Super Series, and rightfully so, because one, there's a few quid in there. There's two belts in there already. There might be the possibility of the third if they can uh, uh, maybe entice Maurice Hooker, the WBO champion, because I think Ramirez has come out, the WBC champion. He says, I'm absolutely not mm. going in there, which is a bit of a shame because uh, Taylor's obviously uh, now uh, one of the main men in that uh, WBC. Uh, but he's other guy, Regis Pagres. There's hot rumours that he's going to be going in there as the WBC uh, interim champion. I'll tell you something. For all the times I I slagged the World Boxing Super Series off for not giving me dates for particular fights that I want to know about, you can't argue with the fights and the fighters that they're getting involved in their competition. This year, the Cruiserweights, we finally got a date for that, by the way, with uh, July 21st, even though we knew that it was happening uh, between uh, Usyk and Gassiev. We're going to get an undisputed champion. That's what I love. I love und- who's the man, the undisputed champion. Now the super middleweights. We've got a great final. They listen to the fans. They put it back in order to get George Groves and Callum Smith together. We're going to get an, a, a WBA uh, show down there, and then they sign these bantamweights. You get excited about that. That looks unbelievable for season two, and then they announce the super lightweights, and then they start announcing some of the fighters that they've announced in there. Uh, the likes of Kirill Relic uh, and uh, Yejits in there and Branchik's in there already that will contest for the IBF belt. And then they announced Josh Taylor. And after his perf- what a great time to announce him after the performance that he put in last weekend. That just gets you salivating. Then it get- it wets the whistle for uh, season two. Yeah, completely. And uh, I think this year, with the cruiserweights particularly, it was like if you weren't in that, then you- no one was talking about you. Yeah, and I feel like now Taylor's in there, and certainly if Progre goes in there, that's going to be the situation at Ten Stone. Is that if you're not part of that, then you're a bit out in the cold, a bit it, like De Gale was. Even at if you won the WBC even, belt, I yeah. think even so, because yeah. De Gale was probably at the time was the best, putatively the best super middleweight in the world. He had the IBF belt, mm. and you know, looked down the list, and you thought, okay, he's the number one. But he was outside the tournament, and no one was talking about him. Mm. I think the same is going to happen with that you know, with the WBC and that people are just going to be looking at the Super Series. I think it looks like if Progre will go in yeah, and it looks like Maurice Hooker will go in. Um, so you're going to have three of the four belts. Uh, for me, Josh Taylor is the most promising of all of them. Yeah. I think he's the most is he talented. Uh, if, I had, if I was putting money on it, I'd back into it. Well, let, let's, let's go through it. Let's go yeah. through the list of them Super Lights, right? Because this is what's confirmed. You've got Relic in there who's the WBA champion. Yeah. And you've got Yiji and Baranchik who are going to be... IBF, they'll be fighting for the IBF. For the IBF belt in the quarterfinal yeah. for, the first, for the first round, right? Uh, and they've obviously just confirmed Taylor. So they've confirmed four guys. Yeah. Um, now, hot rumour is that Troyanovsky will go in there. Yeah, Troyanovsky so, will fight... Relic. Relic, because he's the number one contender. Yeah. WBA, right? The WBA, yeah. Uh, you've mentioned Progre there, who's the WBC it interim. Look, it looks like he'll go in uh, soon, along with Taylor. Yeah, Taylor's, so Taylor's already in. in. So Taylor's so confirmed. They haven't like confirmed Progray yet. Yeah. Um, Martin, the American lad. Yeah. They're hotly talking him up. I think they want uh, some serious it's representation. It's nice to have American. American. Yeah, they, they like to have an American in there. Yeah, even though Progress, uh from over there as well. Yeah. And of course, Maurice Hooker, who we uh, saw defeat Terry Flanagan recently yeah. to become the WBO champion, is hotly rumoured to be going in there as well. So if all that happens, you'd have three of the main four belts exactly. in there. Yeah. 
very similar to what we're experiencing with the bantamweights. Yeah. That's exciting because whoever comes out of there is obviously the unified champion mm. and they can just basically... And very rich as well. And very rich indeed. <laughs> yeah. And then they can just basically shout, Jose Ramirez, do you fancy a piece of this Precisely, pie? Precisely, yeah. And then you've got a big fight. Then we're one, then we're one step away from that undisputed, which we always say is what we really want. The only strange thing in this one is because there are a lot of sort of mandatory yeah. situations going on, mm -hmm. there won't be the whole parade in Monaco where they... The seeding gala. seeding where they point at who they want. They yeah. handpick opponents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we already know that Troyanovsky and Relic will fight each other in the quarters. We already know Yigit that Yigit and Baranchik, they'll yeah. definitely fight. So you would think, considering uh, Progre and uh, Taylor are both in that WBC, WBC yeah. lineup, there's a chance that they'll fight in the quarters, which would be a travesty. Or at least a shame. Because it's probably the best final. It would be a great it? final, wouldn't it? And right. it, it's it's like imagine Gassi Evanusik yeah. were in the first quarter finals. Mm, so you just mm. it's not what it's not what the competition's about, but the the point is is that when you have a lot yeah. of these situations that sometimes is collateral damage and they might have to get it on early on. Um it, to be fair, it's a great fight though. Yeah. We just get it earlier than we might have wanted and there's no belt on the line, but there's plenty at stake for whoever goes through, and you would think that would be. Well, there's the WBC interim championship. Oh, of course, I forgot about that. Of course, one. don't yeah. forget that one. Yeah, <laughs> but then you, you go through, and you would think that you'd. Fa I'd fancy him against the winner of Yigit Baranchik. I, I would. I'd fancy. I, listen, I think as I said to you before we started recording this show, right? If Taylor fights Pagret in the in the quarterfinal, the winner of that fight will win this tournament. You'd you'd, That's where I like hope so. Yeah, but do you know what? I like Troyanovsky. Before he got knocked out by Ndongo, which was a massive Oof. shocker, but a huge punch. Yeah. And obviously, Ndongo since hasn't looked great. He lost to Crawford. Yeah. Um, lost to Progre, of course. Got stopped. Knocked by... him out in the first round, didn't he? It was yeah. like a, just a it was like boom. wow. Yeah, and yeah. that got him the Crawford. You know, he was then in part of the picture. So it was obviously a bit of a strange one. Mm. Um, but before that, I really liked Tronovsky. Yeah. People, a lot of people, were very hot. I remember on him. being shot when uh, when that, he when, when he lost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he's a good. I think he's a very good, very talented guy. I think he's a good addition. Interested to see what they do, how, who they, who else they get in. Mm. They're obviously wealthy when it comes to what they can offer people, which is really important to these guys yeah, who are not making a lot of money. But for me, that is a division that's very much in flux at the moment, and that we're just waiting for you know, the real pillars and the icons of the division to sort of emerge. And for me, Josh Taylor will be one of them for, for a long time. Mm. This is obviously the division that was dominated by Terence Crawford for such a long and period, Exactly, so, so yeah. he's left and it's, yeah. all, it's all now up for grabs. And that's why we're seeing things like Yigit, you know, fighting for a vacant title and, and the fact that the Super Series gets them together and gets these fights finally on. And mm. it did happen a couple of times in the Cruiserweight tournament. I know there was a few mandatories that they did in the first round. I think, yeah. Usyk boxed a mandatory in the in the quarterfinal, yeah, which he didn't right. choose. I can't remember exactly how it played out, but that that is how it's going to happen. Um, I think when you've got multiple belts in there, you you've got to do, it comes with the territory. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. Whereas with the super middleweights, I think from us as British fight fans, we kind of experienced people going, "I'll have that yeah, one. That was, I'll have that, that one," fun, yeah. because we only had one real belt in there, yeah, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. Where it was obviously yeah, Groves. George Groves' yeah. belt, um, and he had a free di free dib really at, uh, at at Jamie Cox. It's going to be interesting this now mm. because I'm. Um, I mean, we the the, the renouncing another weight category as well to come. Yeah, to be talking about the bantam weights when you've got Inouye in there, Burnett, you've got Ramirez uh, and Tete. 
It's incredible. Just stop there. Yeah, exactly. like, They haven't even announced the just other do four. the semis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just go straight to the semi-finals, yeah. yeah. That is absolutely outrageous. And then to announce this as well... Who do you like best out of the, the Bantamweights? Who, who, who would your pick be out of that? Just forget the, the other four. That four. Just those four? Those, those four kings. Oh man, that is a question. See, because I, know, I, know. I was convinced that it was Tete. Mm. I was convinced, and then I watched the new way. Yeah. Even though he's spent the majority of his career at the, at the lower yeah. weight, Jamie McDonald's no mug. He absolutely blitzed him. Mm. Oh man, I like. Tete, I'm going to go Tete. But still. I like. I'm, I'm interested to see just visually Tete and Inoue because yeah. obviously Tete's huge bantam and yeah. Inoue's coming up long. Yeah, I'm really very. Un- unproven is wrong obviously because he's not he's won multiple world titles but we haven't seen the best of Inoue I don't think he's only mm. very, he's, got, he's an early early in his career so it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with someone like Tete punch him in the face basically and then you've got uh, Burnett I mean you can't write him off it's no just, absolutely not yeah and it's just going to be that competition is just incredible and that is I just why... remember seeing Tete blitz oh, Butler Butler yeah I just remember seeing that and I thought who's that wow yeah that's unreal yeah and he's so big and he's so yeah. languid and powerful with yeah. it. Mm. He's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to pick the semis, isn't it? Well, you would think that those four, those four will come be through. There. It's going to be brilliant. And <laughs> and you've got to thank that to the Super Series for doing that yeah. because they did it with Cruiserweight. You know, they made big promises and big, and you, everyone The Champions went, League of Boxing. Yeah, and everyone went, oh it? yeah. And I went to the draw because it was more, it was just like a, as a watching brief. Hmm. And I went over That was there. a good gig, weren't it, mate? Getting to the south of France. Yeah, you enjoyed that one, nice. did you? Yeah, yeah. And, it was, <laughs> and, I, and I remember thinking, well, how's this going to work? And it was all a bit bizarre. You've got these boxers in suits at the draw hmm. and they, they turned up, they did a dress rehearsal of the draw on the stage. And then they all went out the back door, got in the limos and got driven around the front so they could come down the red carpet. You know, it was a real, they did it proper, proper you know, job, real yeah. showbiz mm. gig. And, uh, but all of that is basically pointless unless the fights are good and the, the matches are, are competitive yeah. and they actually get some belts in there, which they've done. Mm. There were concerns that the second season might be might struggle because you get people like Al Heyman going, I don't want my guys in that because I can't control what they're doing. Mm. I can't say where they're going to box because obviously when you sign up, you they tell you where you're going to box. If they tell you you're going to box in Jeddah, you've got to box in Jeddah. Yeah. So a lot of promoters think, oh, I don't want my guys involved in that. But because of the money on offer, yeah. actually, if you want to do right by your fighter, you've got to mm. get them in there. Um. All the latest news on the World Boxing Super Series you'll be able to hear on TalkSport. And don't forget the World Boxing Super Series final between uh, Callum Smith and George Groves uh, will be live and exclusive uh, on the TalkSport channel when we do Fight Night Live from wherever that venue is. Hopefully we'll have that information this week. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have a date on that as well. September is what we're hearing anyway. Uh, Declan, once again, thank you very much, mate. My much pleasure, appreciated, mate. buddy. Um, next week, make sure you come back and join us. We'll have all the fallout uh, from uh, the week. Luckily, it seems that the AJ Wilder narrative has just gone quiet for a period of time, but I've no doubt something will spark up on social media, so make sure you come and join us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 